When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Another podcast. Well, another day, another podcast. That's kind of the way it works. Hi, everybody. This is Talking Real Money. I, in the new Florida studio that is not quite done yet, kind of relying on some temporary lighting, uh, I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for listening to our podcast or watching our video cast over there, over there, 3,000 miles away as the crow flies, is Senior Thomas Seacock. And I say my studio. Because his family is actually from That's Puerto true. Rico. That's true. Doesn't, it doesn't look like it, but true no, nonetheless. No, he does he and look Puerto Rican or sound all. like it. Uh, by the way, my studio, not done either. It's always being worked on. So, you know, the reason he doesn't look like he's Puerto Rican, he never gets out in the sun. He lives in Seattle and he never leaves. <laughs> and boy, I don't think we're going to see it here for a long time. So, woo. It's kind of sad. All right. So, today, we are here to come to the defense of our good friend, Paul Merriman. <laughs> On YouTube, was it a listener that discovered this or was it you? It was actually, it was, you know how rarely I ever go to YouTube and sort of right. scroll through, like never, but I did. And then all of a sudden here was this piece saying how Paul Merriman is wrong or Paul Merriman is something like uh, Paul Merriman it, is the wrong. The title is how does Paul Merriman okay. keep getting this so wrong? All right. I knew I had Paul Merriman and wrong. So I was like, wow, that sounds by, like something I need to see. By a guy at Heritage Wealth Planning. Guy named What's his name? Josh. Josh. No joshing. So, so Josh, what is Josh angry about, Tom? Well, it, Paul takes some work and looks at a 25-year period, and he suggests that instead of just owning basically the S&P 500, that you overweight your portfolio to companies in the United States that are considered small and value oriented. And Josh correctly points out that Paul's plan with the four funds is to own far more U.S. value than you'd actually own if you just own an index of the whole market. That's his point. That's his point, which is right. It's to overweight Correct. value Correct. and overweight small. Correct. But what Josh says is in the podcast that Paul is cherry picking the time because I think he goes from 1995 to 2010. Yeah, hold on, it's let me pull it up period. because it. It's yeah, I, I thought it was an odd period of time too, but it's a long period of it time. It is 25 years of data, and but what Josh is saying is, oh, Paul's cherry picking. He says cherry picking about 18 times because apparently he likes that phrase. Actually, it was um, from 70 to oh. 1995. Oh, okay. I- <laughs> so he started with somebody who was starting to save at age 30 in 1970. 
and then planned to retire in 2005 at age 65. Wait, now you just said two different times, 1970 through 2005. That would be 35 years. I right. Well, but he gives numbers here by switching. Oh, because you're entirely in equity for the first 25 years. Ah, then you switch And then up. for the last five year, or 10 years, you go to a 60-40. So it's a 35-year time frame altogether. The idea is to show you what... what uh, of actual sort of life spent, you're saving, you get closer to retirement, you add some fixed income because you need to st- stabilize your portfolio a little bit if you're going to take withdrawals, kind of a lifetime, if you will, of investing up to retirement. I think that's what Paul was trying to accomplish. And he was trying to accomplish the fact that being tilted, if you will, to U.S. small value meant more money. In fact, it meant a substantially more money. Uh, but Josh says, no, you're cherry picking. And this is not a good strategy. So Josh, by the way, I went back and looked. I mean, he's a great headline writer. He got a lot of people following him on YouTube. Yeah, a, a lot. lot. A he lot has of people. 65,000 yeah. subscribers, which is a lot more than our 650,000 <laughs> subscribers. No, 650. Oh, okay. I was hoping Period. for a change. Sorry. So he writes some great headlines. He's... You know, he's uh, kind of down home. He's standing out in the woods talking about, I mean, it's, it's comfortable, well, he's from Ohio. Right? I thought he's from the South somewhere, but I get Oh, no, he's from Louisiana. That's right. Uh, I'm sorry. He's out okay. of Louisiana. Yeah. But, okay. So, but let's just, setting aside the style aspect of all this, which I'm assuming you did this because this probably takes him from 65,000 to 80 when you pick on Paul Merriman, because Paul is someone who is known. But let's look at the claim. Right. Because he's saying, no, you're cherry picking the numbers. Now, for those of you who listen to our podcast, you know that we tell you to overweight U.S. small cap value. Right. It's been a better performing asset class. Is that true? Well, I went back and looked 19 or 1927 through 2010 U.S. small cap value annualized return 13.8 percent. U.S. large blend, like the S&P 500, 9.8%, a 4% a year difference. And that's not really cherry picking because that's like 90 years of data. It's a whole long time. And again, it's okay. back to- and, and the reality is, though, Tom, it, when you pick a time period on which to base your calculations, every single time anybody does it, You've picked a time period for some reason or another and and can be accused of cherry picking. And part two, Don, is the source. Should you trust Josh or should you trust Paul and Eugene Fama and French at all? Now, remember, Josh is in the business of getting more subscribers, right? Paul is to some Clients. extent. Yeah, but Paul doesn't really... He, he just wants to educate. He doesn't really he doesn't run a business anymore. He's not trying to get clients. It doesn't really matter to him. Eugene Fama, he doesn't care how you manage your money. He simply wants you to understand the ramifications of how you position your portfolio. And they have quite a bit more credibility than Josh. Who's again, as I said, a great headline writer, mildly entertaining on his podcast and is fairly prolific. He has a lot of topics out there, which, by the way, they do tend to be sort of these screaming headline topics. Because uh, on one, I, I, I watched, he said, stop 401 contributions. Then he admits, well, if you're getting a match, you might want to keep it going. But his reason for doing that is that because if you get in your 50s and you have to take the money out, you got to pay tax on it plus a penalty. Okay. Yeah. That, you have right. to do that so, in IRA too. Yeah. I mean, it, the point is, he, he, what he's saying is you should save more post-tax money 
that could depend on your future tax rate. But the bottom line here again is who should you trust? I trust the numbers. I trust the academics. Sorry, Josh, I don't trust you. Well, no, and with good reason. I mean, I would never hire his firm. One, they're dual registered. Which means they're, what? They're a fiduciary part of the time. Oh, I have my hats in the old studio. Ah, the hats they're are fiduciary, gone. They're a fiduciary part of the time, and then they can also sell securities and only make suitable recommendations. They can also, they are also insurance licensed, Ooh. which means they can sell insurance investment products that make them a lot of money. My guess is they're just looking at the size of their assets under management and their fee structure. My guess is they're doing a lot of insurance selling to get big commissions, but I don't know that for a fact. But there is, real quickly, there's this ongoing conversation, of course, in, in YouTube. And uh, <laughs> this one guy, Vincent, says, about um, uh, Josh, the, Josh, the heritage guy. He goes, this guy is as dumb as he is inarticulate. <laughs> and then the heritage Josh guy goes, if this guy is representative of Paul Merriman's followers, well, nothing more really needs to be said. And then they just go on and on and on. Uh, one, one guy says, this is typical Josh. He is inconsistent, flippant, sarcastic, bullheaded, and sometimes his recommendations are flat out wrong. Josh, you say you hate cherry picking, but you do it all the time, which is true. Everybody picks a time frame for their calculations. It can, it can be construed as cherry picking. Yeah. And so, beyond defending Paul, I will say, I still truly believe that you should overweight your portfolio to smaller companies and to small value companies, that those have provided a greater return over time. And by the way, we used to have to do a chart where we looked at 20-year periods. I think most 20-year periods, uh, U.S. or small value yeah, beats large it's, blend. Most. It's about 80% yeah, yeah. or so. which Not is every time, but most of the time. It's a pretty good number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I trust that. I do. All right, here we go. Another question sent yes. in to TalkingRealMoney.com. Uh, you can also call them in at 855-935-TALK. The subject on this one is FinTwit knowledge. I'm not sure. Oh, Twitter. Okay. Yes. Hey, guys. Fin, FinTwit. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, a CFA on Twitter recently posted this. Quote, if you retired in $2,000 with $1 million, Wait, you, wanting you said two two thousand dollars. If you I mean in the in year two thousand, two thousand. Okay, twenty two years ago. Yeah, sorry. you know That's I've been okay. building this studio. I know so you're building tired. away. Then I was out late with Josh, the CEO of Apollo. Oh, last that night. might have something more to do with it. The hammer was put no, down, but we okay. did not do that. We did not hammer okay. anything. All right. Uh, if you retired in two thousand with one million dollars, wanting fifty thousand dollars a year adjusted yeah. for inflation, and invested in the Vanguard Total Stock Index Fund. You ran out of money in 2018. So you're taking out 5% a year. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and run the number. That's adjusted all Adjusted for inflation. Oh, yeah, and so, adjusted for yeah, inflation. So you're, so you're taking five so, plus inflation. Yeah, we've seen periods where when we've run the, the, the total stock portfolios, we've seen periods where people would have run out of money in uh, in. I bet you years. wouldn't have if you had 40% in the bond fund. Exactly. Because that would have that would have given you some stability in 08, 09, when you, instead of being all in stocks where you saw you go down by 45%. So the so again, having a balanced approach probably did you better for that 20-odd year period. Yeah, he said, uh, then the guy went on to say that uh, the DFA 
equity balance strategy, you would have had over two and a half million net of withdrawals through 10 2021. Don't trust your retirement to basic indexing. Now, that comment's misleading. Wouldn't you say don't trust your retirement to basic indexing? Because it makes it sound like you need to do something that's smart beta or, you know, something. I hate that term or, you know, something more sophisticated. No, you need to have a balanced portfolio in retirement. You need to probably have some fixed income because that's going to provide stability. So if you're pulling the money out and the market goes down, you can see pretty clearly that that's going to be very harmful. So that's why the Dimensional Fund's balanced fund, a 60-40 approach, sustained itself through that difficult time. So it doesn't it's not a matter of basic indexing. To me, it's a matter of balanced indexing. And the uh, the correspondent goes on to say that aside from the basics of withdrawing based on a percentage amount rather than a fixed amount, and the fact that the Vanguard Total Stock Index Fund didn't start until 2008, I've run a few basic Excel documents that if you withdrew 50,000 and assuming zero returns from 2000 to 2008, you would still end up with over 632000 in 2018 if you invested in VT. What am I missing? Or is this guy completely full of it? I don't know what you're missing because I haven't run the numbers. But in a way, this guy is kind of full of it because what he's doing. You're talking the CFA now, not the, the guy CFA. Yeah, okay. the CFA. Because what he's doing is, again, comparing apples and pears. Okay. Yeah. If you're a hundred percent in equities, a big downturn in the market is going to hurt you big. If you are balanced, which is what he's saying. And I don't care if it's balanced at Vanguard or balanced at DFA. And we like DFA. We agree. I think he must be a, uh, with a DFA advisor who's trying to convince people not to use Vanguard, which we can try to do that, but we would do it in a, in a fairer way where we would say the, the returns over time in a, in the, the, the way DFA does it should be a little bit better. And yeah. And by the way, if you just own the Vanguard balanced index fund in that period of time, I'll bet you didn't run out of money either because again, there you own basically large U S firms and 40% of the money is in uh, bonds probably provided the stability you needed when the market turned against you. So yeah, I agree. You're not comparing apples and, to pears. You're, no, and, you are comparing apples to pears. And what he's doing too is interesting because we always use the 4% rule for fixed plus inflation. Yeah. Because in this has, case, he used five plus, plus inflation. inflation. Yeah. That's so a bit you much. just, you just increased your withdrawal rate by a full percentage point plus inflation. Now we've run, these numbers with almost every portfolio you can imagine with a 5% fixed based on the value of your assets each year. Five so in a good year, you get a lot. In a bad year, you get less. Yeah. Variable withdrawal, not fixed. Five variable for fixed plus inflation. Two very different ways to draw from your portfolio. To take out five plus inflation would be very aggressive. It would be, and then to be 100% in stocks, very aggressive. So uh, you're right. He's he's kind of going off the deep end, but people in this industry <laughs> tend to do that to make a point. Or to get a headline. Or to get a headline. No. Thank you for listening or watching. More of you listen than watch.
a lot if more. If you want to watch, go to YouTube. If you don't want to watch, then just listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast service. Um, anything else you care to add before we call this a podcast? No. I mean, again, the thing that we've seen so much uh, the last couple of months, Don, is that, again, when people take advantage of the free one hour with an advisor, we find many of you somewhat similar to the question you just had. They don't know what their true asset allocation really is today, right? They don't know the balance between stocks and bonds. They most of the time don't know what type of stocks they own and almost forever, nobody knows what they're paying. Those are three things you need to know as an investor. We give you that. You don't have to become a client as a result of that. Just met with a charming woman a couple of days ago at the beginning said, now I don't have to become a client. I said, no, you don't have to become a client. I'll look at your portfolio. I think it's a great service. It's And we get a many good comments from it. Do some people become clients? Sure. Do they all become clients? No. So take and advantage And is there any pressure to do so? No. No. Just go to vestry.com and set up an appointment. It's that easy. By the way, I checked out the guy who tweeted that. Yes. Uh, he, he is with a DFA, he owns a DFA advisory firm. So he's using this to make headlines for his firm. But the reality is no, no, no advisor in his or her right mind would have a retiree a hundred percent in equities. No one. Or unless it's Bill Gates, but even Bill Gates owns bonds. It's a spurious argument, Eric, really, Eric. Weak, 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 dude. Uh, okay, everybody, thanks for being there. We really, truly appreciate you. Um, send in your questions to talkingrealmoney.com. You can either type them or you can speak them or you can call us with your questions at 855-935-TALK. Have a great, great day. We are so glad you're there. Spread the word. Take care of yourselves. I'm Don. That's Tom hanging out, Talking Real Money. Talking Real Money. That the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.